Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast. Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is a podcast where Brian Winhurst and a team of ESPN insiders sort out life in and around the NBA world. Now three times a week and also available on YouTube. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, we're going to do if you haven't heard. We're going to talk about your stories about your mama showing up at the house when you didn't think she was coming. But you know what we have to talk about first. All right. Gabe, are you familiar with a gentleman by the name of Gary Condit? That name sounds familiar, but I'm not sure where it connects to. Yeah, so with your, um, you're a little young to get on this, but Gary Condit was a congressman, and a woman who worked in his office was murdered or came up missing. I can't remember which one, but I think she ultimately was, was dead. And there were lots of questions about whether or not he had been responsible for this woman's death, right? As you might imagine, that'd be a big deal. You think a congressman is responsible for a woman's death. Now, I want to be clear, uh, it was ultimately proven that he was not responsible. But it never really turned into the scandal that people were expecting or would reasonably expect something like that to turn into. The reason is that story made news on September 10th, 2001. Right before something else happened that just dominated everybody's attention. I don't know if you guys know, but we got a story over the weekend that the Spurs released Josh Primo, who they took number 12 in the draft last year, And they released him because he had been exposing himself to team employees. Right. Like, when have you heard about a team releasing a first-round draft pick that they were enthusiastic about in year two? They could not go to the, well, we're going to get him some therapy. He got some problems that need to get fixed. It was immediately beat the street, right? And that man is the Gary Condit of the weekend because Kyrie. Kyrie showed up and dominated everything that was going on. Maybe it's because Josh Primo ain't that famous in the way that Gary Condit wasn't that famous. I don't know. But Kyrie showed up and all the oxygen went to him. And what had happened was Kyrie had gotten on Twitter and sent a post with a link to a video called... Hebrews to Negroes. It has some subtitle that I cannot remember. Okay? All right. So Kyrie put a link out to a video entitled Hebrews to Negroes. It has some other subtitle that I do not have in front of me, but he sent this out on Twitter. And if you ever go check out any of Kyrie's feeds, like... I've been talking about this, man. You know, these 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 no barcode books. Although I know all the books got barcodes now, but you understand what I'm talking about here, right? Like, he sends out a bunch of stuff and crazy pictures and, you know, these paintings and portraits that people come up with. All this stuff, right? But somebody decided, hey, why don't I click on this link and see what this is that Kyrie is recommending that I check out? And apparently some people watched it. And they came back with the conclusion that the content of this film was anti-Semitic. I have not watched the film, and I'm going to get around to why later, but people apparently did, in fact, watch this. And that's what they came away with. And there were some pretty, I don't know if I want to say thorough descriptions of what was in the video But unless people are making this up out of whole cloth, and I've seen multiple people say the same thing, these are the sorts of things that the reports are indicating um, come out of this documentary that Kyrie linked to. Um, 
claims that the Jews were responsible for the slave trade, that Jews are imposters, and that black people are the real Jews and God's chosen people. Uh, the Jews rule every industry in the world uh, and dominate the media to help Satan deceive the world. Uh, racism toward blacks started with Jews. Uh, it's a lot of stuff, man. And it's um, apparently lots of references to like the protocols of the the elders of zion and all this stuff like this is what the reports are are in the video okay let me explain something to you right fast about the video i did not watch the video the reason i did not watch the video is not because I was unwilling, right? In fact, I went out of my way on a football Sunday to try to figure out a way and a time that I would be able to watch this because I thought in order to be a responsible commentator on the matter that I needed to actually watch the, the video, the documentary, whatever it was, right? Like I needed to actually see it with my own eyes so I wasn't just saying, oh, man, these people say this thing is whatever, right? No, I needed to get my eyes on it. And, you know, I was doing my own research. That was my plan, to do my own research. Okay. I go to Amazon Prime because the video's on Amazon Prime. I go to Amazon Prime. I search for the video. Apparently, there has been a rush in people to check it out because I put in Hebrews and then Hebrews to Negroes was the first thing on the autofill, right? Gotcha. So I go to click on it and it gives a description of what the video is or what the film is. And then I notice two things. Number one, to rent the video on Amazon Prime, it was going to cost $11.99. Now, I was a little shaky on the idea at that point. I wasn't sure if I wanted to spend 12 of my own dollars just to be responsible for y'all, okay? But number two, the runtime on the film is 209 minutes long. 209 minutes long. For those of you doing the math at home, that is three hours and 29 minutes. And there was no way in hell I was gonna watch Three and a half hours of a movie called Hebrews to Negroes. That that no 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 no. That was not going to happen. I was not going to do that. And I bring that up to raise a, I think a fair question. Do you think Kyrie Irving watched that three and a half hour movie? Like from start to finish. Like, do you think he did? And maybe he did, but I would not. And pay $12. Like, I know he's rich, but I'm like, I, I was just kind of offended by the idea that you think I would pay $12. $12? Are you serious? And look, I've read videos off of Amazon Prime. They are charging me far less than $12 for films that have much higher budgets. Maybe there was a price hike in this. I don't know. But I wasn't paying $12 to watch this. But maybe Kyrie did. I don't know. And that's how we wind up in the current Kyrie situation. Where he sent this video out. Somebody at Rolling Stone got a watch of it. Did um, an article about what it is. And now people had to come ask Kyrie questions about what he sent out. And it was every bit the cluster that you would imagine and it's Kyrie sitting on stage as arrogant as Kyrie always is and you know talking about how he didn't learn the real truth in school and all of that stuff and there's something to that idea by the way um, brainwashing I think is going a little too far at least in terms of the language but you know his idea that he didn't learn the real truth about history in school and history in all schools are about propaganda right that's not there's nothing mysterious about this. No matter where you go, the history that is going to be presented to you by whatever the local government is, is a history that makes you feel good about the place where you live. It makes you feel good about the people 
who are providing the education, right? Like this, there's, there's no question about that part. The thing for me about Kyrie is if you want to get an alternative version of the history to what was presented to you in school, you don't have to go to these guys that you're going to. You know what I mean? Like there, there are far more reputable sources that will give you an alternative and more complete view of history than the one that you received in these channels that you believe are here to do you wrong. I can introduce you to some of the people. Hell, some of them even worked at Duke. There are other people that you could go to to find out about this stuff, right? You ain't got to go to these cats. But anyway, he got up and he started talking all of that and he got into the back and forth with Nick Friedle, um of ESPN about it. And Nick was trying to say that to tell Kyrie he doesn't understand how hurtful and harmful it is, what he's putting out there. And Kyrie is insistent that he is actually not harming anyone by putting this out. Nick says that Kyrie was promoting this on his platform. And Kyrie's like, I'm not promoting it. I just sent it out. Like somehow not understanding the that implicitly sending that out with a link is a recommendation and so promote, like maybe we get into a semantic argument here, but you absolutely gave eyeballs to something that people would not have seen otherwise. And the assumption is, is because you told people this was something that they need to see and people saw it and immediately believed that it was anti-Semitic, that it jumped off the page to them. You're not going to sit up at that table and then lecture to people that are out there about how you didn't do anything. You didn't harm anybody, man. These folks are telling you that this is harmful. Even if you happen to disagree, that winds up being something that you got to listen to in those times, right? If there's some white person up there that sent out something that was analogous about black people, and it's a bunch of black people in the room telling you, hey, man, this is harmful. You're not going to sit there and be okay when somebody's like, yeah, but it's right. Yeah, but it's true. Like, that's, that's not, that's not. That's not going to play. And I'm saying that generally that that's not going to play. But specifically, it's really not going to play right now. It's not, right? I'm trying to operate on this in part in terms that do not address directly the morality or the right or wrong of what Kanye, excuse me, the morality or the right or wrong of what Kyrie has done, right? I'm just talking right now in terms of the cold, cynical facts of the situation. I'm not ignoring the morality of it. I just want to be clear to you. But right now, I'm just talking about how things work, okay? The way Kyrie went about this isn't going to fly it's not and the reason it's not going to fly is that in the public discourse on this matter this is not polarizing okay the overwhelming majority of people look at what Kyrie sent out and deemed it to be anti-semitic right he's not going to sit up there and negotiate this and explain how everybody else is wrong and he's the person that's right even if you think he's right it ain't going to work. It ain't going to play. And he sat up there and he did that. And I don't think that someone like him understands that if you want to be a person who is taken seriously, you have to comport yourself as a person who is to be taken seriously. And this is not the way that people behave who are to be taken seriously. You also don't get to opt in and opt out of being taken seriously. In the same press availability, Kyrie at once said that he had a responsibility because of his influence in the community to use his platform to share certain truths. And then later in the same availability says that we are overstating what his influence is. Or how important it is when he does or says something. It can't be both things. If you wish to be taken seriously, you're going to have to comport yourself as a person that wishes to be taken seriously all the time. You don't ever get the back door of what I say isn't really that important. Mm -mm, mm -mm, partner. You can't be both. You can't be both. 
And so what he becomes is one of the worst things in the world, which is an unserious person who demands to be taken seriously. That's who he is. That's what he is at this point. And I think he is talking himself out of the NBA. And right now, I think he's doing it over a movie he might not have actually watched. Because he's too proud and too arrogant and too insistent upon letting all of us know that he's the smart one, right? And I admit to you, I've told you guys this before. I got less patience, less patience for somebody telling me they smarter than me when they damn well not than I got for just about anything else in this world. And this dude is 100%. I will be damned if Kyrie Irving talks down to me. I will be damned if Kyrie Irving talks down to you, but I'm going to really be damned if Kyrie Irving talked down to, to me? Are you high? And maybe, but I mean, are you really going to talk that? No, 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 no. I ain't going for it. I am. No, 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 no. I'm not here for it. I am not. And neither, honestly, is anybody else. And a big part of why I'm not here for it is when this dude gets up there and talks about who am I harming right now? Dude, are you reading the news? Like, this is a serious thing. Are you reading the news? Did you see this game at the Georgia-Florida game that people were out there with signs talking about Kanye was right and other anti-Semitic stuff at the Georgia-Florida game? We had people doing that same stuff um, in Los Angeles, hanging these signs off of freeways about Kanye being right and just leaning into this. Like, This is happening right now, and it's happening a bunch of places. And history has indicated to us that you can't really give an inch about these things. Like, there is a rising tide of anti-Semitism in this country that is taking place. And you, as Kyrie Irving, are being seen as a person who is promoting this anti-Semitism. It doesn't matter if you're right Because what he seemed to be really leaning on while he's doing that press conference is, hey, man, I'm right. It doesn't matter if you're right. People are out here telling you, hey, man, this ain't landing. (laughs) This is not landing right. He's like, yeah, but I'm right. And so he's going to ride that whole thing out about being right. That's, That's not what this is about at this point, right? It's not. If enough reasonable people can watch this and view it in this context of anti-Semitism, then you probably need to go back and address that and figure that out. Instead, that dude is digging his heels in about this. Right? That's his move. That's what he's going to do. Nah, I sent this out and I'm doing this for the people and everything else. And I said that the Nets probably should waive him. And of course, Gabe, I said this on the tweets, so you know. That raised a stir, and I had lots of people telling me how stupid I was. And I said that they need to waive him. This is after they lost to the Pacers. I was like, they need to waive him. They need to trade Kevin Durant, and they need to tear this whole thing down. And people are like, why would you waive Kyrie when you could still get something for him? And I am asking you this question very seriously. Who do you think is trading for Kyrie Irving? Like, who do you think is going to do that? And I know the argument has been made the Lakers um, could be the ones to trade for Kyrie Irving. No, they can't. Gabe, you look a little surprised that I would say that the Lakers can't trade for him. No, not surprised. Just uh, more perplexed that the Lakers would be interested in him at this point. Well, I mean, it would be just strictly cold cynicism looking at basketball, right? Like they've been so bad. They finally got themselves a win and against a good team. Way to go, fellas. Um, but you know, just LeBron wanted Kyrie, and so they bring Kyrie in. Gay, okay, let me ask you a question. What one man has dominated the news for like the last month with his anti-Semitism? Hard to keep track at this point, to be quite honest. This time we're talking about Kanye. Okay, got it. Yes, you were right okay. about that. Now, now that would be the same Kanye who 
they called in to do the shop and got in there and started talking all that dribble that he's talking these days, and they could not run that. I don't know, like, because LeBron James and his people know, uh-uh, we can't have any of this on our names, right? We, we, we could not be a place to allow him to share his hate speech. That was what they wound up saying. It had been a terrible image play for them. Now, this Kanye thing is a nationwide story, but you got to remember, man, L.A. in a lot of ways, especially that Hollywood stuff, is a town. And he's currently the town fool. You know what I mean? Like, like all the people that are in this L.A. world of all the L.A. money, they running away from this dude like the plague. They stay in, like they so far away from him at this point because of these ridiculous things that he is saying and these things that he is doing. I don't know if you saw this on Instagram yesterday, Gabe, or on Sunday, but uh, Kanye posted a picture of Kyrie and said, we still got some real ones out here. And you think the Lakers about to trade for him? You understand what I'm saying? Right? Like, upper, anti-Semitism seems to be on the rise. Kanye West is right now the public representative of anti-Semitism, right? And he is dominating this news all over the place. And it is a particularly big news story in that local market. And you think that that team and LeBron would put their names on Kyrie coming in, knowing that Kyrie is never going to have any back down on this and knowing that any press conference that he does has the potential to turn into the one that the Nets just had with him after that game. I don't think that he is tradable right now. Like as much as people were saying to me back, oh man, you could get something back for him. How can you win that press conference? If you're the team that decides we're going to get Kyrie, how do you win that press conference when his idea of winning is being right? I don't think that anybody's going to sign up for that. Not even the desperate Lakers. I just don't think that they could ultimately get away with it. You might be right. But I think in the end, the reason I say you go ahead and you wave Kyrie is because that's how it's going to end. You can wait for it to end that way and let there be one more like spectacular thing that happens along the way. But I just think that's where it's ultimately going. And I think it's obvious that that's where it's ultimately going to go because he can't back down on something where he's going to need to back down. Bob Kraft was paying for ads during NFL games about stopping anti-Semitism. Like the people in this country who do matter, some of them are Jewish, some of whom are not. They have decided we're not letting this slide. That's, this, isn't, this isn't a path that they allow people to go down. And hey, I understand the black people who see this and say, well, how come don't nobody respond to this when somebody does something racist against black people? That is a fair discussion to have that don't really matter right now. Like, we could talk about it, but it doesn't change anything that's going on with this. So why keep them? They're not winning. They're not good. You might as well just tear this down and trade Kevin Durant and go from there. If nothing else, they're going to have to send him home. Because let me tell you something, man. These press rooms ain't letting him slide for this. Like, I don't think that people are just going to let him come back and act like nothing happened. You can't bring the guy in public because you can't trust him to be trying to make any of this right or even fake it. He's not going to do it. And if he's not going to do it, I let him go. What, over some $30 million? Nah, I let him go. That's the way that I look at it. And yeah, go ahead. Think he's got some value. Okay, I put it to you like this. With this swirl of controversy that's happening right now around Kyrie, do you think somebody could trade him today? No, I think we'd all agree the answer would be no. Nobody could trade him right now. The block is too hot. Isn't the block always hot with him? Like what makes you think the block is going to cool down? If I'm the Nets, I look at it another way. Kyrie has really, really worked hard to be a leader on this team this year. Do you want that guy to be the leader? Like These are all the things that you have in front of you and looking at this. So yeah, it's not crazy for me to think that if I'm the Nets, just go ahead and wave them and start figuring out what the future is. Because they need to go ahead and figure out what the future is. Because their present ain't got no future. Their present is whack. Their present ain't taking them anywhere. It's not. They got two dudes that get buckets. And that's it. There's one dude who gets them in some drama 
all the time. Go ahead and get ready for later. Get him gone. Trade Kevin Durant. He don't want to be there. Kyrie doesn't want to be there, right? To the point of being, it's fair to ask if this is some measure of self-sabotage. But for everybody who thinks it's crazy for me to think that nobody wants to pick up uh, Kyrie Irving, do you remember Myers Leonard? Remember that guy? Myers Leonard called somebody an anti-Semitic slur on a Twitch stream playing a video game. Dog, I went to Myers Leonard's Instagram page. It was so sad. The last post I saw was him working out in the gym. Uh, and the caption was day by day. Because he's trying to get back in the league. Dog, nah, 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 that's not. You're not. You won't be around next year. It's not happening. It's not happening. And that is a seven-foot white dude who makes 40% of his three-pointers. They ain't even try to bring him in on the league minimum. They normally love to revamp a dude like this, right? Bring him back. Talk about how he took a trip to Israel. You know, he's seen the error of his ways. He out here volunteering. Like, there's a template for a guy like that to come back, right? Like, there's a checklist of things that a guy like that can typically do to come back, especially because he's not that high profile, right? Nope. He still ain't on nobody's team. Still not. Still not. And you're so sure that Kyrie's just going to be all right because he's real good at basketball? Uh-uh. I'm not sure. This isn't something that this isn't something that gets to be less slot. I think that he believes that since he's not explicitly saying anything anti-Semitic, that he'll be okay. And in contractual terms, he might be. But I can't imagine a scenario where any NBA team can say, yeah, we're bringing this guy on. Like, I tell you this, if he played for the Miami Heat, whose owner's parents are Holocaust survivors, he wouldn't be playing for them at all. That's what I was going to say, too. Like, the people that you're naming there, whether it's Kanye, Kyrie, or Myers Leonard, as a Jewish man myself, the three, like, pillars of the Jewish community in the United States... Brooklyn, New York, or yes. just New York, Miami, Florida, Los Angeles. Yeah. Not places to yeah. be saying things like this. Nah, let me tell you something. I did not fully appreciate like how deep the Jewish presence is around the New York basketball teams until I went to a Knicks game the other night. And have you seen they got this dude, Isaiah Hartenstein? I got a big seven-foot dude, and I was so confused when I just saw his name. I didn't know if he was going to look like an Isaiah or a Hartenstein. I wasn't sure which one, but at least phenotypically, he leans very hard toward the Hartenstein. Gabe, every time that man had the ball and put up a bucket, you heard this loud. <gasps> like, folks was ready to put off for the tribe, you know? <laughs> they were ready for it. I was like, oh, wow, they deep in here. But you're exactly right. You go look around the league, man. I think it's nine, um, it's eight majority owners are Jewish. And then if you go to the Kings page, the, the second set of like the next level of minority owners on that are all Jewish. Look, man, they're not going for this. This is not, this is not it. So I would not be surprised, honestly. And I'm not being dramatic. I think people think I was being dramatic about this. I'm really not. I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie doesn't play another game. And it's because he won't back down. It's not even because he said it in the first place. It's because he's not going to back down. And if he's not going to back down, he's going to get made an example of. And I tell you, you can put your cape on for him. I damn sure ain't. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. 
Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. All right, Bo. This first story comes from politics. Hi, I'm Dorne Pineda, a reporter at the Los Angeles Times. Over the summer, Rosario Rodriguez faced a financial dilemma that has become all too common for millions of drought-weary Californians. Either pay the electric bill which had skyrocketed to about $300 during a scorching summer in western Fresno County, or pay the $220 combined water, sewer, and trash bill. In the end, Rodriguez opted not to pay the electric bill, knowing she could get help from a local nonprofit. Her family is among an estimated 13 million Californians living in low-income households who bear the brunt of soaring water costs. Senate Bill 222 would have required all California community water and wastewater systems to offer rate assistance to residential water customers. But Governor Gavin Newsom recently vetoed the bill, saying it lacked a source of funding and would have cost billions. According to a 2020 report, the average family was paying 45% more per month for water in 2015 than in 2007 and experts say water costs will only keep rising for the next several decades. It's a burden that disproportionately impacts low-income and households of color. So what's causing water rates to to soar statewide? Long-term factors include the the replacement of aging infrastructure and new treatment standards. In the short term, drought restrictions play a significant role. When water use drops, urban water utilities, which mostly have fixed costs, earn less revenue. They adjust their rates to recover that revenue. Several state programs exist that offer financial assistance for water bills, but they're only one-time funds. So even if someone's debt gets wiped out today, there's nothing in place to keep them from accruing more debt in the future. And water affordability advocates said the problem is only going to get worse. Quote, the writing's on the wall, said Gregory Pierce, co-director of the Luskin Center for Innovation at UCLA. Quote, water prices are going up for the next several decades, so we need some assistance program in place like we have in so many other sectors. Water is pretty much the first service that the government can and should provide. It's just so wild that we wind up with so much scandal, some of it us paying too much attention to unserious people. That we miss out on, yo, these water prices are going through the roof. Water. Water. Like, the fringes, and these, it, it feels like the fringes of the capitalism, but for real, it's the guts of it, right? The basic things that people have to get. I always say about capitalism, it's great for the things you want, not so much for the things you need. And we're seeing quietly, whether it be the grocery prices going up and the shrinkflation and all of those things, whether it be what we're talking about, like rising utility prices and everything else. It's all these things around home prices, everything else. Living is getting too much is getting too expensive. And hey, man, that's the stuff that make people get rowdy. Like there's only but so long that you can keep doing this to people before something happens. I don't know what the something is. I'm not encouraging the something, you know, that there be something like violent or anything like that. I'm just telling you, at some point when people look up and realize, damn, I can't afford gas. I can't afford water. I can't afford milk. I can't afford any of these things. Something is fundamentally going to have to change. And I'm very curious to see how that change comes about. Can you explain shrinkflation to people? Because I think that's one of the favorite things that I learned about because it's so, like, uh, mind-melting. Yeah, so, like, shrinkflation is, let's say that you used to get a drink that was 12 ounces and it cost $3. Now you get that same drink, and it looks the same, and it's still $3. 
But now you get 11 and a half ounces. And they just take these amounts down little by little. Like cereal is a place where you see it a lot because you just grab a box of cereal, right? But little do you know, you're getting a little bit less. It, it, it is not terribly different than like pouring a little water in the orange juice to stretch it out. I feel like you see it a lot in chips too. That bag gets smaller yes. and smaller and smaller. Yes. Like where the unity is a bag. I'm going to get a bag of chips. It's not I'm going to get 7.5 uh, dry ounces of chips. That's right. All right, Bo, this next story comes from business. My name is Catherine Long. I'm a tech correspondent at Insider. If I asked you what the most dangerous jobs in America are, you might think about logging or mining, construction, or maybe about meat processing. And those are all dangerous jobs, but there's another job that's more dangerous than all of those. It's working in an Amazon warehouse. Last year, Amazon warehouses in the U.S. were home to more than 34,000 injuries serious enough that workers couldn't do their jobs any longer. And not only is working at Amazon more dangerous than working in other industries, it's way more dangerous than working at other warehouses. And now we have new data from Washington State that suggests the reason for that is Amazon's obsessive focus on speed. When you place an Amazon order, the company promises it'll be on your doorstep in a day or maybe two. That means hundreds of thousands of workers in warehouses around the country are rushing to get your dog food or your home office supplies or whatever through Amazon's supercharged supply chain and into a blue van driving around your neighborhood. On average, packages are moving into and out of an Amazon warehouse in just two hours, the company has said. To make that happen, Amazon holds workers to strict productivity targets, laying out how many pieces of merchandise they need to process each hour. The thing about these targets is that if enough workers meet them, they go up. If you fail to meet them, you can be fired. And Amazon expects 25% of workers to fail to meet them. That puts a huge amount of pressure on workers to move quickly, and that's causing injuries. When Washington state regulators inspected Amazon warehouses, they found that Amazon wants warehouse workers to move so quickly that in some roles, workers' risk of injury is literally off the charts. The types of injuries that are common at Amazon warehouses are also linked to speed. Amazon warehouse workers are four times as likely as non-Amazon warehouse workers to suffer from what are called musculoskeletal disorders, the kinds of sprains, strains, and back and nerve pain that are associated with repetitive motion and overwork. These are serious injuries. One worker, a 32-year-old Army veteran, said that Amazon was harder than the military. He's suffering from spinal degeneration from moving thousands of pounds of merchandise around the warehouse every day. He's going to be managing that pain for the rest of his life. Amazon's injury crisis is no secret. We've known for years that Amazon's warehouse workers are twice as likely to get hurt on the job as workers in non-Amazon warehouses. Now we have new data linking those injuries to Amazon's core business, super fast delivery. You know, and the thing about so much of it is we don't even need it that fast. You know, like, it's kind of cool, but we don't really need it that fast. Like, I do find, especially with, like, the same-day delivery stuff like that, where something that you could be like, oh, I'm just going to run to the store right fast, but if you're a little busy and Amazon will bring that thing to you, then you just bring it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I get that. I understand that. Um, but in the end, like, I was... So I live in New York, and if I, if I call for a ride share in New York... It's strange when it takes five minutes. You're like, oh my goodness, five minutes. Why am I waiting so long? You go to other places, and it's not out of the question. Yeah, that Uber's going to be there in 15 minutes. And that feels like absurdity, except if your homeboy was going to give you a ride and you called him up, was like, hey, homie, I need a ride. He'd be like, all right, dog, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Bet. You'd be cool with that. Like, we don't necessarily need all these things right now, but these business models have supported that, and there's a measure of convenience to it, and so there's no going back. Like, for Amazon, it became a matter of, we're not just simply trying to be better than everybody who delivers, we're trying to beat everybody at everything, anybody who sells stuff, because we know that you want that right now. But this is the other side of it, man. Like, there's no way. I forget who I was talking to a while ago about this and just talking about how Amazon just about always gets it right and they, like, they're rarely late. They get it. Like, there's no way that you can do that humanely. It's just not possible, right? Like, the efficiency is just too strong. 
But as consumers, we like the efficiency. So what are we going to do? All right, Bo, this last story comes from tech. So we got ghosted by the guy who wrote the story, which is kind of funny, considering the subject matter here. So this past week, Elon Musk closed the deal on Twitter, or rather he was finally forced to buy Twitter, kind of whatever way, mm-hmm, yes. whatever way you want to look at it. But it there's a ton of things swirling here, because, so I'd, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on him purchasing Twitter and kind of whatever plans he has for it. But what's interesting, too, is now you've got this huge battle with uh, the First Amendment and the Supreme Court and where, uh, you know, the culture wars, so to speak, are going um, as it relates to social media. So just a couple of nuggets for you. So Texas and Florida have passed laws that would prevent social media platforms from removing or limiting certain types of posts. So sparking a legal showdown over the First Amendment that's likely going to head to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has also agreed to hear a case this term that accuses YouTube of abetting terrorism by recommending content from the Islamic State. Meanwhile, as I mentioned, Elon Musk closed a $44 billion deal this past week, giving him sole control of Twitter. Um, And Musk has suggested he would reinstate a lot of the people that have been blocked previously for saying wild and crazy things, and he's taking other steps to loosen the platform's uh, speech limits. So with all that said, your thoughts. I mean, I'll be honest. I I don't notice too many speech limits on the platform as it is. So I guess I mean, that that was the part that I saw there. I was like, oh wow, people can't do that. <laughs> That's wild. My mentions don't necessarily indicate such things. The thing that for me about Musk and buying Twitter is this man, like richest man in the world, super businessman, or whatever it is. One thing Twitter ain't never been good at is making money, and he paid a price that was way higher than anybody else would pay. Which is to say, it's hard not to think that the reasons that he is doing this are not about like ideology for lack of a better term. You know what I mean? Like it's, this is such bad business that you could only assume that the motives are ulterior and why it is that he wanted to do this. And you could look at who his business partners are in doing this. And it raises some questions about where the platform ultimately is going to go. He got in there, seeing the, you know, a bunch of executives are cleared out. Some quit, some they let go for cause, um, all of those things. And I think that Elon Musk is going to wind up, in this situation that is not dissimilar to Mark Zuckerberg or anybody else that gets their hands on one of these platforms and then they realize, yo, this comes with a lot more responsibility than I had ever considered. There are so many more things that I have to think about than I ever had. And that's not what I got into this for. Like Zuckerberg's like, I got into this so that we could check girls out on campus. And now look at what all this stuff is that I have to do. Elon Musk, I think, just got into this in some measure to be a troll. And now he's going to have to figure out all the stuff that, you know, comes with it. So yeah, we're going to have a whole lot more people talking crazy. But in the end, I think it's the users that are going to have to come around and make a decision. Like, if the conditions of Twitter for you are intolerable, do you have to be there? Like, what are you getting from it? And the data has indicated that a whole lot of people who used to tweet regularly aren't doing it anymore. I mean, I don't know if I fell under the metrics that people used to what they qualified as, like, heavy tweeter and whether I stopped or fell below the standards that they had. But, I mean, if you follow me for years, you know I've just, I've, I've found it to be a ridiculous place. And so I'm out of there, by and large. I'm there no more than I have to be. And so that's what I really think it's going to be. It's like, yeah, I think it's going to be terrible with Elon Musk being there, but we're not entitled to Twitter. We're not owed to Twitter. We just might have to let it go. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our voicemails are brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace.
All right, Bo. So, voicemail topic for this week. That time that your mama showed up early. What made you think about this one in particular? Oh, man, because everybody's got that one. Like, yo, is that the garage door? Rut roll! Rut roll! <laughs> it was nothing tied to nothing. It was just like, oh, I know people got something on this. How about also to, and I'll be curious to see how the voicemails turn out, but uh, that time you came home and mama was home. You, you didn't ex- yes. didn't expect her to be home when she was there in the kitchen, light on. Yes, yes, yes. Like, oh, yeah, 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 what's up? What's up? Oh, no. All right, this first story comes from Teresa in Atlanta. Here it is. Hey, Bomani, got a story for you about being a kid at home. Uh, growing up, I'm the oldest of four. Um, I think my baby sister was in daycare at the time, so it was me and my two brothers at home. We were latchkey kids and um we were having fun hanging out at home right um we were super lazy and didn't want to take the 10 feet walk from the living room to the kitchen to get a snack so what did we do we got all the food out of the refrigerator and had it in the living room i'm talking about mayo mustard bread lunch meat cookies crackers chips milk kool-aid any and everything (laughs) that we wanted to eat was in the living room. We figured, you know, five o'clock when my parents get off work, we'll have time to put everything back. And around about three o'clock, my mom walks through the door early, literally walks into the living room, sees all of her kids, sees all of the food hanging out uh, in the kitchen and in the living room side of the kitchen. And she just calmly closed the door, looks at us and said, go get the belt. So I'm sure you can imagine what kind of evening we had. And the worst part of this, the worst part is that not only did she give us a whooping, but then she put us on punishment, which I feel like is bullshit, right? Like you can't whoop me and put me on punishment, right? You gotta choose one or the other. Apparently my old school mom did not get that memo. And so I will never, ever, ever forget the whooping we all got because we had all the food out of the refrigerator and in the living room. So I'm sure some of your listeners have also done some dumb shit like that when they were kids at home uh, and just wanted to share that story. By the way, this is Jerisa Tucker McClure from Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks. All right. So I got one of these. So one summer, I guess I was like 13 or 14, me and my brother would be at the house all day. And honestly, we just let the house go to hell. And then we would rally at the end of the day before mama came home from work, right? Now, this was not wise strategy in any way, but this is what we did. This is how we played it. And so we are in the beginning of letting the house go to hell. And it's like 1230 and that garage door opens. And we look at each other like, whoa, what's going on? The air conditioner wasn't working at, at, at mama's job, so she just decided to come home. Now, of course, she could have let us know she was on the way, but why do that? No. So she just showed up. But the thing you got to remember, though, is my brother's 13 years older than me, so I could always just be like, hey, man, he's the responsible party here. I'm just riding along with whatever the program was. But we did have to have a talk with her and be like, hey, 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 look, I get where you're coming from, but... We was going to have it ready before you got home, right? <laughs> like, we had a plan. You got to at least, come on now. And that's how we got out of, like, well, like, I don't know what you're going to do to him. But we got out of, like, real discipline. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The, the mom or dad also showing up early after, like, a night of partying, too. Like, showing up at, like, 6 a.m. when they were supposed to be back from vacation at, like, 5 p.m. <laughs> the next day or something like that. Yes. Yes. Gosh. All right. Here's voicemail number two. No name or location. Probably for good reason. Here it is. How you doing, Bomani? Long time. Listener, first time voicemail. Uh, I graduated college in 2014. My senior year, I had, uh, as an African-American man, I had a Caucasian girlfriend that my mother was not very fond of that I swore I had broken up with at the top of the prior year, but I had still been... Uh, seeing and dealing with unbeknownst to my mom. So the night before, I was supposed to move in, uh, drive up uh, to my college and move in with my mom and the rest of my family. My mom was supposed to be in San Francisco. She was supposed to meet us in uh, the state where my college was at. 
Instead, my mother showed up uh, out of a taxi cab at about 9.15 at night while I had uh, Miss Lady that she was not very fond of um, in a very compromising position on the first flight of stairs. Uh, it did not end well. Um, yeah, I think that's a lot <laughs> Thank you, man. Love the show. Love everything you're doing. Have a good one. Yeah, it's a little disappointing for you guys that you don't get video on the Monday show because the look on my face at that point, like, I, I, I kind of want to know some more. It didn't end well. How did it end? Tell me more. Like, damn. Damn. Whew. Damn, that sounds awkward. Very, very awkward. It's going to be a tough act to follow for voicemail number three. Let's see what we got. Voicemail number three. Here it comes. No name or location. Going Gary, big fan of the show. Uh, want to reach out about the time, you know, my parents came home, specifically my mom coming home when it was unexpected. Um, high school, um, senior year, you know, at the house, and it, it, was, it was snowing at the time, and we finally got a snow day. So, you know, parents had to go off to work, you know, out of the way, and I'm at home. You know, I'm a little bit older, so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm sitting at the house, and I had a little bit of um, – some of the herbal essence at the house, you know, by myself, you know. I was like, you know, they're going to be gone for a while. Well, why, why not? Why not? Just, you know, have a little fun. So I decided to partake in a little bit of the the herbal um, things on my side and, you know, feeling good. It's early time. I know they're going to be back at work a couple of hours later. So I got time. I got time. So what I thought I had was time. What I did not have was time. I proceeded to um, go, take back upstairs, um, relax, and, and I, I hear a, a car pull up. And, and our driveway is close enough to the door where I can hear the car pull up and the door close. And I'm thinking in my head, well, it can't be the mailman. It's only about 10, 10 o'clock. What, what's that? And I, I retreat to my room only to hear the door open, and I just hear sniffs. Just, AJ, AJ, come here. And my body went into panic. Um, I proceeded to say, um, you know, hey, how are you doing? What's, what's up? Why are you back so early? And, and she didn't hear any of that. My mom, what's that smell? Mom, it's incense. Mom, it's it. She didn't hear any of it. And uh, so let's just say that I, I didn't hear the end of it for the rest of that month and the rest of that year. Um, you know, not a great feeling. You know, incense wasn't covering any of that up because it definitely was not incense. It, it was the, the, the herbal essence. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> Yo, I can't imagine being high and a teenager and you need to cook up a plan. Like you're not even you you're not even at the place and knowing how to do stuff like that. You know, wow, wow. Tough break, homie. Tough break. But hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us on the right time. We do this three times a week. Gabe Bassane handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Also, thank you to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Dorani Pineda of the LA Times. Check out her story on people from California struggling to pay for water. Thanks to Catherine Long of Business Insider. Check out her story about Amazon workers saying that minor aches suddenly turned debilitating. And thanks to Will Oramus of the Washington Post. Check out his story on social media censorship and how that became the front line in the culture war. Uh, remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.